0: Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to the episode. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and as always, I'm here with my friend, colleague, and partner in Physicians Legal Consultants, Dr. Mike Bummer. Hi everyone and hello to you
2: Armin. We're back on another video podcast episode today. For those of you listening on Google Play or iTunes, we appreciate you and don't forget to click that subscribe button if you like the episodes and want to get notified of new ones. You can find us on YouTube and yeah we're just we're happy to be here doing video again and this is uh this has been a really fun journey. Well how how long have we been doing this now Armin?
1: Well, this actually is a special episode in a way. First of all, uh, it's our last episode of the year. It's right before Christmas, and uh, we thought, and it's our 40th. It's our 40th episode.
2: That's amazing. So that's, and we started, I think, the end of last summer. So I think we're going on a year and a half of producing this content. And it's really been, you know, I already said the word journey, and that, Kind of is a little bit of a spoiler for what we're going to talk about today as part of our 40th episode is where this whole concept of medical legal consulting work, not expert work, not expert witness work, but medical legal consulting for personal injury attorneys, workers, comp attorneys and medical malpractice attorneys, how it was born and how you really kind of founded this area of forensic medicine.
1: Great. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different episode, but uh, we discussed it and thought that our viewers and our listeners might like to hear the uh, the origin story, right? And uh, see how this whole thing was founded and do something a little out of the ordinary as our Christmas special.
2: What do they say? Uh, necessity is the mother of, uh, of invention. Yes. And to learn, I think where and how you gave birth to this type of consulting through today's episode, I think our listeners, both attorneys and physicians alike, will better understand where it fits potentially in their workflow, in their day-to-day life to maximize their case values and how medical legal consultants can affordably help on all aspects of their medical cases. And so I I think that, you know. Why don't you why don't you start by telling us what your life was before you did any of this? I mean before you even thought before this consulting work was even a thought in your brain.
1: Okay, we'll do. Also Mike, I just want to throw in Uh, not only uh, for our attorney listeners, our physician listeners, but we know that there are listeners uh, all over the country and actually all over the world that don't meet those two categories that listen as well. So, uh, and that's kind of thrilling in and of itself. But to answer your question, uh, I was trained as a psychiatrist, went to medical school at the University of Wisconsin, and then did a, came out to Colorado and went to the Colorado Health Sciences Center. And I did an internship in internal medicine, and then I started my uh, psychiatry residency. And uh, after I finished that, I then went on for uh, five years, actually, on uh, Friday afternoons and Saturday mornings. And I uh, became a student at the Denver Institute for Psychoanalysis. And so when all of that was done, I was a practicing psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. So uh, I had a general practice when I started and I had some patients in psychoanalysis. And that's what I was doing before there was ever a glimmer in my eye about what I was going to be doing next.
2: All right. So then, what about the the second half of that clinical career? what What was right before you you had the concept of helping attorneys with their cases? Yes. Yeah.
1: So what happened was when I was uh, you know a relative whippersnapper uh, getting started in my pri- private practice, I met a, a guy about my age who. Uh, was and is a personal injury attorney. And at that time, you know, I was just getting my feet wet in my practice. And he actually was an associate in somebody else's firm. And I met him probably a couple of years before he started his own firm, which by the way, became one of the biggest and most respected personal injury firms in, in the state of Colorado. Hmm. And so his name also was, is Mike. And By the way, we've known each other. I think it's going on 40 years now. Okay. So right. uh, Mike, the attorney, he started sen- sending me his cases and specifically he started sending me a lot of cases where there were head injuries okay. and I I started working... I was pretty much working just exclusively with his cases until the word spread in our community and... I started working for uh, a whole number of attorneys on head injury cases. In fact, I had attorneys, other physicians, chiropractors, physical therapists, and so forth, sending in head injury uh, cases, trauma cases.
2: And being more specific, I believe you're referencing that you were reviewing records like, like we do now. You were talking to the client and then writing opinion reports. You weren't well, actually I, like performing IMEs and things like that.
1: Well, I was doing a lot of expert witness work. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and the uh, my practice got so busy, I kind of fell in. You know, it was kind of accidental, but I kind of fell in. my my specialty for years and years really was mild traumatic brain injury. Okay, uh, and what that led to was I started. Uh, opening clinics. And of course, the first clinic was in Denver. uh, And I had, when it was uh, up and running and going strong, I had other psychiatrists, psychologists, neuropsychologists, psychotherapists, biofeedback therapists, uh, and others working at the clinic. And uh, I will say, I think we did a great job of doing our best and helping head injured uh, individuals get back up on their feet, whether that was through an auto accident, uh, some other you know things that were strange. I'll never forget the case of the guy that worked installing cable TV who loved golf and was on the golf course and was smacked with a golf ball that tra- probably traveled uh, a couple hundred yards, hit him right in the temple. And uh, he had such severe problems. Nice guy, young guy with a fa- young family. And uh, he he never fully recovered. And that's why I remember him so well. And uh, But we did all kinds of uh, traumatic uh, head injury cases. So once that was up and running, um, the uh, guy that was the head psychologist for the clinic also had a background in business and uh, actually had a degree uh, in uh, business administration. So uh, I thought, well, let's open another clinic. Okay. And the next clinic was in Colorado Springs and that one took off. Then the next clinic was in Detroit. And the reason it was in Detroit is at that time in Colorado, we had no fault insurance. So uh, we were working off of that model. And so uh, Michigan had very similar laws when it came to what happens in auto accidents. And so the the next clinic was in Detroit. And actually, for that very first one that was out of state, uh, the psychologist I mentioned, Jim and I, we We rented an office in the old uh, Chrysler building at uh, 10 Mile in Southfield in Detroit, for those of you that know that. And we found an apartment in walking. We rented an apartment for a year within walking distance to this building. And uh, Jim and I uh, traded off every other week uh, being in Detroit for that year until that was running smoothly. Well, I don't want to talk about too much. Yeah, How many,
2: how many clinics did you ultimately, well, they were have?
1: all over the country.
2: So how many roughly 20? Okay. So then you had 20 clinics and you were, this was obviously very successful. So then how do you connect that to medical legal yeah. consulting?
1: Well, I was very fortunate. I was able to sell that company. Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, Obviously, once that company was sold, I worked for them for a short period of time. And, but then I was uh, out of a job, right? Okay. I, I was literally not doing anything at that point. So um, I thought, well, what should I do next? And I thought, well, based on my experience over all these years, uh, maybe what I could do is just consult on any kind of medical question that came up in a case. And that was the start of medical legal consulting, uh, of what we're doing, of the training program that I have, and so forth. So at that point, um, I did talk to my friend Mike, and I said, what do you think of this idea? And he was very encouraging. Uh, and so I knew I was going to be working pre-trial, pre-litigation. I was not going to be working as a medical expert, but rather and I you know, coined the term, I was gonna be working as a medical legal consultant on those approxim in these areas of law, personal injury and workers dump, uh, on those approximately eight or nine out of 10 cases that are negotiated and settled.
2: How do you so- bridge then at that point, going from head injuries to all facets of personal injury work and as we now have, our volume is primarily car crashes and slips and falls and orthopedic injuries or, uh, you know, mood disorders and various uh, medical ailments. How do you, how did that bridge, was that just very natural or was there some uh, difficulty doing that?
1: Yeah, uh, well, there was some difficulty uh, which I can talk about, but here's the thing, the way our legal system works across the country, uh, physicians, MDs and DOs uh, are sanctioned to give medical opinions. Now, if a case can't get settled, and the case is going to go to trial, well, then the attorney or or uh, administrative hearing in a workers' comp case, then the attorney is going to need medical experts in every area of injury. But the way our system works for the purpose of negotiating and settling the case Mm. What the attorney needs are well reasoned, well thought out medical opinions, which you know might in and of themselves act as evidence, but that are backed up by evidence from the medical literature. Probably in 80% of our cases, we're writing a report, but we have a, a, sometimes we're not. We have services that we provide that don't require a report. Uh, But we are helping those attorneys to better negotiate. And settle the case to uh, help raise uh, the settlement amount, to save the attorney time, to help the injured person, the client of the attorney, get the appropriate medical care for their clients, and to help the attorneys better understand the medicine in their cases. Now, obviously, they work with a lot of medical issues. And we know that uh, they are uh, very good. But as we've mentioned before, they're not physicians. So um, but they can have a physician on their team. So let me tell you a quick story. So when I started, um, well, first of all, I didn't know exactly what kind of consults I was going to be doing, right. And I developed this uh, broad service. This broad group of services, uh, based on my interaction with attorneys and learning more about the field, uh, and some of these services came naturally. Some of them um, I actually kind of de- you know thought up and uh, developed. Um, so, but when I started um, very early on, I had a case. It was a rotator cuff injury case. Uh, and there, the, there was some issue uh, uh, about whether this person should be afforded a revision surgery. So um, I, I do what we always do. I talk to the attorney. Uh, I read the medical records. I interviewed the client of the attorney. And then the key is I went to the medical literature and, and found. Uh, uh, I developed my own opinions on the case, and then went to the medical literature. And also in this particular situation, uh, went to an IME, observed the IME, and read the IME report when it came out. So my opinion was different than the IME doctor. And after I wrote my report, the attorney sent it over to opposing counsel. Well, opposing counsel called my attorney and said, why should I pay any attention to, uh, uh, to Dr. Feldman's report? He's not an expert in rotator cuff injuries. And the attorney was smart enough to say, well, Dr. Feldman works as a medical consultant for me in all my cases. And if we can't get this settled on the basis of his opinions, how he backed those opinions up in his report, and we can't get that in the issue resolved in the settlement, and we go to trial, Uh, When I hire my retained orthopedic expert, they're going to say exactly what Dr. Feldman said in his report. In fact, they were both relying on the same literature. So let's get this settled.
2: That's exactly right. I mean, that right there is so important that this report that we, our most common deliverable is, you know, are these seven to 15 page reports that we call comprehensive medical summary reports that pull in all of this information from these cases and injuries, functional losses that we include, all the things you just mentioned. And those reports really serve as that ammunition, that firepower, that foundational edge for the negotiation to settle cases. Because you've learned in doing this that 9 out of 10 cases, in fact, do settle. And it's just wild how that really you know, came to fruition from you simply just helping on the various medical aspects of cases. Right,
1: right. So uh, I can tell you something else. You know, it wasn't without some adversity, right? Uh, Because well, one nice thing happened, and you know this story, but I went out to do my very first initial meeting with a couple of attorneys. They were partners in the firm, and the, the firm happened to be in Boulder. And I... This was my very first one. I didn't have a script. I hadn't really completely thought out what I, I mean, obviously I thought about it, but hadn't completely thought out what I was going to say. Um, I didn't have this cadre of like 15 or 16 different services that I could offer them like we do now uh, that are uh, very specific services to help these attorneys. Uh, and i showed up at their office and we sat down in their conference room and talked. And uh, of all things, I walked out with two files. I mean, one file in each hand, right? And uh I sometimes, as you know, Mike, I wonder if that hadn't happened, would we be doing this podcast? Would I have trained at this point uh, over 1600 uh, physicians around the country? Would there be physicians all over the country doing this? Um, one of the great gratifying things, uh, for me is I know that I may have trained somebody in say Las Vegas and, uh, they're working on a case that injured person doesn't know me from Adam, but, uh, I know that through this whole experience and my experience in training that person that that injured person is getting help that they desperately need and they wouldn't have gotten otherwise.
2: That's right. It, ha, we talked about this in a episode recently, how medical legal consultants, as you've trained us because I'm one of the pupils, right. is is really its own language and art. It, it, yeah, a lot of doctors, All the, most doctors have the credentials to give these opinions, but the the way and fashion that it's done, the way that reports are composed, you've really honed that skill from doing thousands of these reports over the last 16 years.
1: Yes, yeah, and, and you know, it's really become now a, a new subspecialty of forensic medicine, which is quite gratifying, but when I said I had adversity... Uh, Attorneys were not using physicians, and certainly not using medical legal consultants in the way that we practice now.
2: I would argue that less than five percent of attorneys that I, I interact with, new attorneys, are even aware that this is a strategy for them to increase their settlements. Would you? Would right. you agree?
1: I would agree, and uh, if I can say this. I think we're making the old way of doing things obsolete.
2: Totally agree. Because it. it's, it's also the affordability of medical legal consultants and the timeliness, meaning turnaround time typically being 10 to 14 days, affordability being a fraction of what medical experts charge, and more of a collaborative nature than a, what do you think about this and, and here, send a big retainer check.
1: Right. So I was doing this for about two years, and I was really honing it during that time period. Not all, but most of the services that we offer today, I developed over that two year period, Uh, like IME observation and writing IME rebuttal reports, doing liaison work between attorneys and treating doctors, uh, helping attorneys to develop questions for experts in deposition and at trial, a, a whole bunch of things. Um, so then it, uh, it occur- I was actually out to tell you this story too. I don't think you know this one, but um, we're, my wife Holly and I are very closest friends. Uh, he's a personal injury attorney uh, and um, uh, his wife is the office manager and, uh, and one of the paralegals for his practice. And, uh, the four of us have traveled all over, but we happen to be the four of us in Aspen in the summertime, we were walking the Rio Grande uh, trail, uh, next to the Roaring Fork river. And don't ask me how, but all of a sudden it popped into my mind, Hey, I could train other doctors to do this. Uh, and, uh, that, uh, uh I kind of, it kind of preoccupied me uh, during that walk. And when I, when we got back from vacation, I got out, uh, you know, well, I probably did it on a computer, but I got out pen and paper and I started writing it down. And that led to the medical legal consulting coaching program, a training program for physicians that want to learn how to do this. And that includes uh, the one-on-one training that I do and then I started doing live conferences once a year uh, where, uh, we, and we had, on average, we had 150, 175 physicians turn up for two-day crash course training. Uh, we, the first couple were in Las Vegas because I wasn't certain anybody was interested in me, but they might be interested in Las Vegas. Um, uh, next one was in Chicago, and then we started doing them in denver how Um, many
2: total conferences did you have
1: well we did eight right up until the pandemic um yeah then once the pandemic hit uh we did a couple of years uh did the conference by live stream uh turned our living room into a temporary tv studio um and uh, now uh the the course is uh, online uh changing with the times right Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, over the years, I've trained uh, a little over 1,600 physicians. I mean, not all of them stuck with it, right? Sure. Um, But um, uh, there are doctors all over the country uh, doing this. And uh, of course, that's how I got the great opportunity to meet you. Uh, And so uh, it was four or five years ago that you went through the training. And I think, Mike, isn't it true that you didn't go to a live conference. You wound up having to go to the first uh, live stream conference.
2: That's right. I was so excited to come out, but the conference was scheduled to be held in April or early May of 2020.
1: Right.
2: And we don't have to tell anyone what happened in March of 2020. And it ruined a lot of travel plans. And I, I remember you sharing that you were pulling your hair out because it was just such a uh, a mess, having an yep. event like that with with everything yes. booked and paid for. And I had started coaching program with you in that previous November. Mm-hmm. And so I was well on my way and excited to network and meet all of the other people that were yeah. doing this work. And it didn't happen. But what was really cool was my first, you know, five or 10 meetings that I had was seeing the attorney's uh, light bulbs go on over their head when I showed them the redacted reports which I, we should mention that if anyone wants to see a redacted version of these reports you can email us at comments at physicians or even look below in the comments we're gonna put a, a link to schedule a phone call or a zoom meeting or or just visit our website to learn more but the the attorneys had light bulbs going off and i could see them as they as they read the reports and said wait you can do this and and wait how much do you charge and you could have this done in a few weeks and and it was like yeah this is and they they asked well where did you learn how to do this i said oh there's this old crazy guy and, and no <laughs> i said oh there's this doctor who really you know put the effort in and has been doing this for over 10 years and He's he's taught me how to do this, uh, you know, without a law degree, but to as a doctor put a lot of these important parts of this report together. And so that was really fun for me to see the light bulbs going on. And I realized then that it was a path toward a a part of medicine and a a career uh, that that was going to be fulfilling.
1: Yeah, that's great. So that makes me think of two things. The first one is, you know, when you're talking about a little uh, adversity during the pandemic, um, as many of the people listening may know, when you put on a conference, you guarantee uh, a a certain number of rooms are going to be filled, right? And if they're not filled, uh, then that's your responsibility per the contract to pay when you do it in a hotel. And of all things, first of all, it was obvious that that can't the uh, conference needed to be live canceled that year. And so the hotel said, well, you owe us all the money for all of those hotel rooms uh, and the catering that you're not doing and so forth. And, uh, uh, for a few weeks there, uh, we argued back and forth about whether I, uh, uh needed that I, that was my responsibility or not um and uh, uh a force majore right it was a mm-hmm. uh, i argued that it was a, a an act of nature mm-hmm. right and that it could not be avoided and eventually uh, they backed down and didn't uh, uh, pursue me for that um but the other thing i was thinking when you were talking is um one of the things that I do for the students that I have is when they start getting cases, uh, I let them know, send your final drafts of your reports over to me, and I will review them. I'll make suggestions to the report. I'll make comments uh, in the margin, uh, and you can do that when you start or through the whole course. But, but here's the point of the story, is that your reports were absolutely outstanding from the get-go. And so um, and we uh, started uh, uh, communicating, I think, more than just being a teacher and student. And uh, the next thing that happened in this story is that you and I uh, developed and formed Physicians Legal Consultants. Uh, And that is a company that does cases for attorneys all over the country.
2: That's right. It's been now about a year and a half or so, maybe a right. couple years that we've been serving attorneys kind of as this, this company, Physicians Legal Consultants. And it's been very rewarding and very well received. Uh, it's- yes,
1: absolutely. And, and it's been fun for us. And uh, as physicians, this is obviously a non-clinical job. But the great thing about this non-clinical job, as opposed to many others, is that we know that we are still helping people right we're absolutely
2: i mean when we turn in that report to our attorney we've joked about this endlessly because it you know we weren't the biggest essay writers and and it's always a lot of work in college and in our training when you had to write uh, or compose essentially a literary you know piece of art and that's really what our reports kind of end up being and To turn that in and and know the impact it's going to have on a case is extremely rewarding.
1: It is. You know, I first started, I would tell my wife, I got to go write a term paper (laughs) because that's kind of how it felt. Uh, But we know we're helping the uh, attorney, we're helping the case, we're helping the injured person uh, and uh, uh, providing a service uh, that just wasn't available before.
2: Well, Armin, I want to thank you for, you, you gave me some really nice compliments there, and I I like to mirror all of them and more. You've really been a, a good mentor and more, than, more help than I could have ever imagined. Really a pivotal uh, moment in my career whenever I, you trained me to do this, and so... Thank you for that and thank you for, you know, stimulating the concept of creating physicians, legal consultants, and serving all of the attorneys and their clients that we're doing now. And it's, I agree, it's been so fun doing these podcasts now, these YouTube channel videos. Right. So uh, I just look forward to see where it goes. And, and if you're an attorney or a doctor listening, watching, feel free to reach out if you have a case comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Or if you're interested in Armin's coaching, certainly reach out. I am a huge fan, huge cheerleader, and it really can be a total difference maker.
1: Great. Well, let's wish uh, everybody a happy holiday.
0: Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com.